Today we are in a very powerful passage of scriptures, Daniel chapter 9, and I don't know if you've been following along with me and kind of jumping ahead or keeping up with me, you know this, there's a lot packed into this chapter, so we're going to cover chapter 9 today. If you're new to the Bible, uh, this is a pretty mind-blowing script, uh, chapter in the Bible. In fact, this is probably one of the uh, biggest... This is where I really I anchored my faith in Jesus. It's really in this chapter. Uh, for me, uh, and I, I kind of was researching God, and I was, uh, I don't know where you're at in your faith, but in my time of life, I was just like, well, how do I know Jesus is the only way? How do I know he is God? And I was kind of in that researching mode, and Daniel chapter 9 happened where God just really revealed himself in an amazing way. It really set not only, uh, of course, Jesus has always been set apart from everybody anyway, but for me, I, I saw it for the first time, and I just was like, this is it. Uh, I'm anchoring here, and uh, like I said, I was, I was already, uh, you know, walking towards God, but it was in life group that uh, I was hanging out with a bunch of guys, and we were studying Daniel, and God really spoke to me, the Holy Spirit really showed me, uh, really just a, a powerful scripture that, uh, that he spoke, and that's Daniel chapter 9, so I'm excited to share about it, because it meant so much to me, I hope it does to you as well, um, but I, I just want to, the, the word of God is always good for every one of us, and I love the scripture, how it never returns void, so I, I just, I'm just believing great things for all of us this morning, uh, but Daniel chapter 9 starts with a prayer, and I don't know how you are with prayer, uh, maybe you're excited about prayer. Maybe this, you know, all of us that love prayer are really going to embrace this. But maybe you're new in prayer, uh, and this you don't understand it. Uh, maybe you, uh, maybe you, I don't know. Maybe you've had that thought like me of like, does God really hear our prayers? Has anybody had that kind of thought? Oh, you're all too holy. I see how it is. No, I mean, you know, you just have those questions like, does God really hear our prayers? Does he answer our prayers? How does that all work? Uh, you know, do you have to have a special, uh, you know, I just, I don't pray well. You know, I remember early on in my faith, like certain people would just pray, like especially the, some guys in my life group, they would just pray and it just flew off so well and it was so eloquent and the words were always so good. It was like this beautiful rap to God. And I was like, mine does not sound like that at all. So God ain't hearing what I'm saying, you know, but uh, Daniel really starts off chapter 9 with this wonderful prayer. It's very simple. It's very honest. And really, you're going to see that how powerful prayer is, not only to Daniel, but to all of us and to God as well. It's so important to God that we pray and we talk to him. And really, that's all prayer is. Prayer is having a relationship with the one true God and talking it out with him. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, especially if, if prayer is kind of awkward or you're not sure about it, or uh, maybe you're in a place where I was where I didn't know if prayer really worked or if I could believe in what I was saying, that God heard it. Um, uh, you're going to see in Daniel chapter 9 that uh, it's remarkable how much God is listening to you and to me. Uh, not only is he listening, uh, but things are moving in heaven based on our prayers. And, and so it's so important to God. In fact, Jesus tells us when he's on earth, it's so important that we express our cares and our needs to him. It's so important that we talk to him. And so uh, the enemy or even your mind or your flesh, this is, there's so much power in prayer. There's so much in your relationship with God that we need to continue pressing in in prayer. And if you're new or uncomfortable or this is new for you, uh, just just try, just start. And I just want you to see what happens in Daniel because it's really a, a powerful time in Daniel. So Daniel chapter 9 uh, starts out the first few verses. Uh, I'm not going to read them, but it really tells you it's, it's the first year of King Darius's reign. And if you've been with me through the series, if you missed any, you can catch up online. But King Darius is the king of the Medes. Uh, now, remember, Jerusalem or, or the Jews have been captive to Babylon and now to the Medes. And so Daniel is a Jew, and he has been held captive, but he's been in leadership. He's, he was really a, a guy that stood out to, these, uh, to the Babylonians and to the Medes. Uh, of course, God did some amazing miracles along the way. Uh, but 
uh, remember, they're captive uh, to these, these nations and to these countries. It's not like uh, they're living uh, you know, freely like we do in America. They are captives of these nations. And uh, Daniel really sees something happening that I think we can relate to. And that's really my first point I want to share with you is this is a powerful reality and prayer from Daniel himself. But there's this reality that the Jews are going away from God. They're falling away from God. Uh, not only the Jews, but Daniel himself has sinned. Daniel himself has fallen away from God. And there's some things happening that uh, Daniel just begins, he just begins a prayer. And it's a, again, it's very simple, it's very powerful, but it's something we can all relate to. Uh, because the Jews are uh, captive to all these other nations, they, uh, you know, these other nations believe in false gods. They believe in a lot of gods. They don't believe in the God of Israel, the God of Jacob and Abraham and Isaac. They, they believe in all these other gods and they have all these other things. And so uh, they're... You know, they use force and manipulation to get people to worship what they want to worship. But the reality is, is that the Jews themselves, Israel itself, is going further and further away from the one true God. They're sinning. They're not listening. They're not obeying. They're not following the laws. Sacrifices are stopping. Uh, the feasts are not happening. They're not worshiping God anymore. And Daniel is, uh, just has this moment where he breaks down and he says, God, I am sorry. And he just has this very simple prayer. And what I, if, I, if you could take away anything today, it would be this, as to how important your prayer is, how important it is to talk to God simply with your heart. Look, don't try to be your neighbor. Don't try to be like somebody else and how they pray. Just be yourself and speak to God in a way that is comfortable with you. And I promise you that God is hearing you. He doesn't need the eloquent words. Now, if you have eloquent words, use them. That's fine. But just it needs to come from our heart, and it needs to be honest and pure. What I love about Daniel's prayer, and if you could walk away from anything today, is that we pray with sincerity. We pray with our own language and understanding of God and who we are. Uh, but we also take responsibility. We take responsibility for ourselves. And you're going to see that Daniel, when he prays, he's not blaming anybody else. He's not a victim. God, you know, this is why this and this happened is because they're all against me. God, uh, the reason why I'm acting this way is because, hey, we're captive to all these nations. He's not making excuses for himself. He's not justifying his behavior. He's not making it right. He's taking responsibility. He said, God, I'm sorry. Not only have I sinned, not only have I disobeyed, not only have I listen, not listened to your voice, but the whole nation, all, all your people, all of Israel, which you created, all of us, we, we've stopped listening We've stopped obeying. We've stopped following your laws. And God, I'm sorry. And that's really how Daniel starts. And so I wanted to read the prayer because it is very powerful. Now, if you read it, you'll, uh, all of us in this room, including myself, every single one of us can relate to it because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And, but I want you to hear as I read this how similar it may sound today. Now, Daniel's living way, this is way back before uh, Jesus came to the earth, but I want you to hear how similar some of the, maybe the patterns that you may see today in the world that we live in versus the world that Daniel lived in, but I want you also to see the responsibility that he takes and how important it is, first, that we pray, but second of all, that we stand as God's people. Even if, we, even if we're flawed, even if we sinned, even if we messed up, look, I don't care what you did yesterday. What I care about is if we're seeking God today. And you're going to see something powerful today. So let's read it together, and then we'll, we'll kind of unpack it. But here's the reality uh, of where Daniel and Israel is uh, in this prayer, starting in verse 4 of chapter 9. Verse 4. It says, And I prayed to the Lord God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We've done wickedly and rebelled. 
even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers, and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to shame of face as it is this day. Anybody felt shameful before? Look, Daniel's just saying, look, I, I know they spoke to me, but I haven't listened. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel, those near and those far off and all countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithfulness which they've committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame to the face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We've not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, which he set before us, his servants and the prophets. Yes, all Israel... All Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse of the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he's confirmed his words, which he spoke against us, uh, against our judges who judged us by bringing up our great disaster for under the whole heaven, such as never done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all the disaster has come upon us Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept his disaster in mind and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all what the works he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. So Daniel's being really honest with God. Now, you can hear that there's a little bit of frustration in Daniel because the way they're living today is not what God intended for them. They're captives to nations. They can't worship freely. They're being told what to do. That's being manipulated. There's a little bit of frustration there as well. But Daniel realizes that it's because of their choices and their decisions that they've sinned. They haven't listened to God. You know, it's interesting that uh, in this time, in Daniel's time, there was even prophets that came in and said, hey, guys, this is what's going to happen if you continue. And instead of listening to God, they continued. Now, in reading this prayer, I've got to be honest with you. I've been there, and I think you have too. I know God has spoken to me. I know there's been things in my life where God said, don't do this or move here or make this step or make this decision, and yet I didn't listen and I did my own thing. There's... Times in my life and probably your life when you know you shouldn't make that choice. You just know in yourself, whether you know the Bible or not, you know you shouldn't make that choice, but you make it anyway. And that's because since Christ and since the Holy Spirit, the law has been in all of our hearts. All of us, whether you know Jesus or not, know. You have this inside of you, how we should walk and how we should live and decisions that we should make. Look, all of us, the Bible makes it very clear, and Daniel does too. Every Jew, including himself, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. And I think we can sit here in Daniel's prayer and and understand the reality. Look, look, Daniel, I'm, I'm right there too. I've disobeyed. I've sinned. I mean, when we look at the reality of who God is and who we are, there's a big gap, isn't there? I mean, even the most holy person in this room, okay, I don't know who that is, but even the most holy person, or let's just put it this way, even the, the person on the planet that is doing the most for God has fallen short. And there's still this humongous gap between us and God. And Daniel's just saying, God, I am sorry. 
He's taking responsibility. I've sinned. Israel's sinned. You've sent your prophets. You've sent your word. We haven't listened. You've told us how to live and how to worship and all of these things that we haven't listened. God, I'm sorry. And I realize that because of this, this is where we are today. Have any of you ever been in a place and you don't like it, but you realize it's because of dumb decisions you've made? Finances is always an easy one, isn't it? I don't like where I am, but because I'm in debt, I've got to keep working to pay off these bills, but it's because of choices we've made to put ourselves in that situation, right? Well, same is true with God. Same is true with Daniel and where they're at. God, we're in bondage to this country called the Medes and the Persians. And you know what's crazy is there was a prophecy years before. I don't know if you ever heard this, but it's, it's an unbelievable prophecy. You'll find it in 2 Chronicles, uh, and it's verse 36 and 21. It's actually repeating what, what Jeremiah said. One of the prophets God sent to Israel, he said, Hey, look, if you don't start taking a Sabbath or honoring the Sabbath, then this is going to happen. Now, I know we live in a world where nobody takes Sabbaths, right? Do you think God still honors the Sabbath? Yes, he does. He still takes it seriously. Look, and if you're not taking a Sabbath, this isn't to bring judgment. Or I'm just saying it's so important. And a lot of the decisions we make are because we're not stopping and resting and focusing on God. A lot of the poor decisions we make is because we're going and going and going. And we're, we're making decisions on our own without God. And the Sabbath is so important because it stops our focus and says, okay, God, what do you want? I'm resting, I'm putting it all down, and I'm focusing on what you want and what, what, what you're calling me to do. So anyway, in 2 Chronicles 36, 21, look at this. To fill, fill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath, as long as they lay desolate, she kept the Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. This is how amazing and good and great God is. And how much he cares about you and me. And how much he pays attention. For 70 years, Israel didn't have a Sabbath. Guess how long they were in captivity? 70 years. To fulfill the rest and Sabbath that God always intended for us to have. So Daniel's saying, God, I'm sorry. I haven't kept the Sabbath. I'm sorry, God. I haven't kept your precepts. God, I am so sorry. I haven't listened to your voice. You even sent Jeremiah into my house into Israel. I heard that message and I still didn't obey. So I love that prayer, Daniel. It's just so simple and it's so honest and I think we can all relate to it. I think if we look at where we're at in our world today, uh, I would say that the culture of uh, the world today is going away from God, away from his laws, away from the word of God. Doesn't mean that the word of God isn't powerful. Oh, it's powerful. It's stronger than any, anything on earth. But the reality is Yes, the Jews were God's chosen people. He chose that nation to give us this word. But you know what? We were also chosen and made by God as well. We're not replacing the Jews. We're God's creation, and we need God, and we need his word, and we need his truth, and we need his principles. So in a lot of ways, like Daniel, we're saying, God, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all disobeyed. We've all not listened. But... You know, the crazy part about Daniel's prayer next is, is that he knows who God is. We don't deserve the mercy of God. We don't deserve the grace of God. 
But Daniel understands God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace. Watch his next, as he finishes out this prayer, and this is mind-boggling. You're gonna see in the next few moments how crazy, uh, amazing, first of all, God is, but also what prayer can do. Daniel chapter nine, verse 24 through 27. Here's the second part of Daniel's prayer. So he says, God, forgive me. I messed up. I'm sorry, verse 16 through 19 of Daniel chapter nine. It says, in view, in view of all your faithful mercy. So in other words, God, God, I know you. And, and what I know, in view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighbor, neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Because at that time, the sanctuary is literally desolate and torn apart. Verse 18, oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes to see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Listen to this. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay, oh my God. For your people and your city bears your name. And I love this prayer because... uh, Look, if you're a prayer warrior, you understand standing on Scripture, standing on the character and integrity of God and who He is and His Word. But for those of you that are new in prayer, for those of you that are learning, or maybe, maybe even today you're going to start to try to pray, I love how Daniel starts to say, God, I realize what a good God you are. And I realize, you know, maybe you can like me just, I remember many times walking to the sanctuary saying, I should not be here because of what happened yesterday. God, who am I to pray? You know what a mess up I am. I remember walking into this church. I got saved in this church. I got met the Lord right here in this church. But I remember many times walking into the sanctuary just saying, if he only knew. Now, as foolish as I was, God always knows. But in my mindset, I just thought, God, God can't accept me. And maybe that's where you are. But I want you to know something today. God loves each and every one of us in this room equally. And his mercy and his love and his grace is equally available to you as it is to me. And regardless of what you did yesterday, last year, last decade, maybe you've never followed God. Maybe you're somebody like me for 18 years, I didn't know God. It doesn't mean that God doesn't know you. And so what I love about this prayer is, look, it's okay to come to God and be honest. A lot of times when you're learning how to pray, you think you can't be honest with God. God knows everything about you already before you even say it. But the reality is, is it wouldn't be a relationship if you couldn't talk to God and he couldn't talk to you. He loves to hear your prayers, even when you're down. Listen, this is the gospel. While you were yet sinners, who died for you? Christ did. Did he wait for you to get it right? Why do we put it in our heads that we have to do 10 more things before I can pray? I can't go to church until I get it right. I promise you this, you won't get it right and you won't come to church either. Listen, while you were in your sin, your deepest worst sin, your deepest worst moment in life, Jesus died for you. 
And he shed his blood and he's, he's sending his grace your way. And this is what this prayer really helped me understand and I hope it helps you understand. Daniel was in a bad place. Look, Israel wasn't following God. The kings weren't following God. The people and leadership around him weren't following God. But it only took one man, Daniel, to say, God, forgive me. Yes, forgive Israel, forgive all my ancestors, forgive all my people because we haven't followed you. And God, if they won't take responsibility, I will. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Oh, Lord, hear my prayer. Oh, Lord, forgive me. And it took one guy, it took one guy to say a prayer like that and watch what happens. Church, I so want you to believe in prayer. Not because I want you to, but because heaven acts when you ask. Even Jesus said, if you want answers, you've got to knock, Amen. which means you've got to speak. If you need something, just ask in my name and it will be done. That's the God that we worship. He's listening to you. Look, I know it's not always what we think. Listen, there's your puzzle piece and there's the Lord's puzzle piece. I'm so thankful that God doesn't answer all our prayers, aren't you? How many of you have had a really, really bad day, month, year, decade, and you said, Lord, take them out? I remember as a kid being mad at my mom and dad and saying, Lord, take them out. I didn't even know the Lord, but I just said, Lord, whoever you are, take them out. I'm so glad he didn't take them out. Anybody else glad? Anybody else prayed like that? Come on, be honest. You're probably thinking that right now. I'm so thankful his plan is way above our plan. His ways are way higher than our ways. But at the end of the day, when we look at his will and we look at his puzzle piece, and we look at how he's answered our prayers, not in the ways that we thought, but he still answered, but in his ways, you look at it and go, God, thank you. Thank you. Your ways and your will are always good. Your plans are always good. You know, Daniel prayed from a desperate place. He prayed from a, a pit. He prayed from a really hard place. He prayed from somewhere not only the nation was going the wrong way, but him personally was struggling. And he took responsibility. He didn't blame. He didn't play the victim role. He didn't say, well, it was because of that circumstance or that situation. That's why I did that. You know, we live in a world today that's trying to blame everybody else. We live in a world today that is trying to make everything okay. Not everything is not okay. You know what? It's okay to repent. That's also the gospel. Yes, Jesus died while you were in sin. He died while you were in your sin. But you know the other part of the gospel is, is that we come to a place and say, God, I'm sorry. We repent. Look, repentance doesn't just mean I'm sorry. Repentance means that you change your thinking. You change your mind. It's, like, it's almost like a 180. I, I like to use that illustration, but it breaks down really fast. But changing your mind is actually a better translation. Changing your thinking taking the way that you used to think and replacing it with the way God thinks. So God, I'm sorry. Show me your heart. God, I'm sorry. We've all sinned, myself included. God, show me your mercy. Help me understand your grace. Help me understand your truth. Help me understand what you want out of this situation because it doesn't look good. These people aren't good. They're throwing me in lion's dens. They threw my friends in the furnace. Here I am worshiping another God 
or another king that's telling me to worship all these other gods. God, what do you want me to do? I'm sorry. Forgive me. Turn your ear to me. Help me. That's his prayer. See how simple and honest and sincere? We can all pray like that, can't we? Now watch what happens. Does God hear our prayers? That's my second point. Does he hear our prayers? You say yes, but for those of you saying, well, I don't know. Look at this next verse. Now Daniel is shocked. He's surprised at the way God answers. Now watch what he says. Uh, We're going to start in verse uh, 20. Verse 20, the same chapter. He says, now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the only holy mountain of, of my God. Yes, while I was still speaking, this is how astonished he was. While I was still speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I saw in the vision at the beginning, be, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. Can you imagine? He's literally praying, probably having the thoughts that you do. God, are you hearing my prayers? And he opens his eyes and Gabriel, an angel, is standing right in front of him. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have come forth to give you skill and understand. And I'm going to share that in a second. Does God hear your prayer? Listen, you need to know that God not only hears your prayer, but he's engaging things in heaven that you don't even see. There's angels working on your behalf that you don't even know. Look, I was praying this morning with my eyes closed and one eye open going, Gabe, you here? I mean, I'm still waiting for that day. Gabriel shows up. But I, I just want to encourage you. This is the God that we worship. Does he hear your prayer? He was hearing his prayer before it even left his lips. Daniel was literally speaking it, and God is listening. You know, the Bible talks about how he hears your prayers so much. We've come up with this whole theology that God doesn't hear my prayers, but we have no backing to it except for someone's lying to us. It's the enemy lying to you, and we've come up with our own theology that we make up in our heads that is so far from what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? Prayer is symbolic of incense. Incense is always pointed towards the prayer of the saints, towards the prayer of his people. And the Bible says that incense or your prayers is like a sweet aroma to God. Imagine incense as you burn it, whether you like the smell of it or not, it's not important. To God, it's a sweet aroma. Your worship, your prayer, it's a sweet aroma. Whether you think your voice is good or not, it doesn't matter. He loves to hear you worship. He loves to hear you pray. He loves to hear you praise. Don't worry about whether someone else likes it, whether you like it. All that matters is that he likes it. And every time you pray, every time you engage in prayer, it's like incense going up to God. It's a sweet aroma. And he not only smells the incense or smells that sweet aroma, what he's saying is, I hear you. I hear you. Insert your name. I hear you, John. I hear what you're saying. In Revelation, it talks about how your prayers are collected. This incense that's going out to God is collected and it's put in these big bowls. He puts it into things that we can understand because we really can't understand heavenly things. But he puts it in this bowl. And when it's time to answer, he just dumps it out. His answers come. These answers from heaven come. Really, what, he's, what the illustration is, what the visual that God's showing you in Revelation is what Jesus prayed. Oh, Lord, your will be done on earth like, that's right, 
It's not someday I'll get to heaven and I'll see it. Erd, God, your will be done. Your will be done. Your puzzle piece, not mine. That's how Jesus taught you to pray. God, I want to know your heart. I want to know your will. I want to know what you have going on in my family, in my career, in my life, in my church. Look, we have to pray. We have to keep praying. Look, I just want to foster this, this spurred on. Just keep saying, look, try. God's listening to your prayer. Not only is he listening, but I'm telling you, there's heavenly things that are happening that you can't see. There's warfare that's happening in the spiritual that you can't see. There's angels on your behalf because of your prayer. Can you imagine that? That Gabriel and the archangel and all the other angels, remember, a third fell. We still have two-thirds, a lot more angels in heaven than the enemy has. Two-thirds of the angels are being enacted on your behalf because you pray. I'd love to see that battle plan, wouldn't you? But you just need to know that God not only hears your prayers, but he's acting, he's sending the will of heaven to, to you, to earth. And he's using us to share his heart, his grace, his mercy, and his love. And it's not dictated by what you did. It is dictated, as Jeremiah says, as we just sang that song, God knows the plans to prosper you, bless you, not to harm you. But remember the end of it, those that draw near to God, he draws near to us. Keep drawing in near to God. Keep seeking that relationship. Keep praying. Keep talking to God. You don't understand how much God is doing on your behalf every day. I sit here today and I can say this emphatically from the stage, but I remember because I didn't come to God until I was later in my life, in my teens. But you know what? There was times in my life when I didn't know God. I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't even aware. It doesn't mean that God didn't know me. It doesn't mean that God wasn't speaking to me. I know there was times, emphatically, there was times where God was speaking to me. I just wasn't listening. Or my heart wasn't open or my eyes weren't open. My, I wasn't ready to receive it. I wasn't ready to hear it. Now, it doesn't mean that God wasn't doing or speaking or sending things my way. It was just the reality that I was so hard-hearted I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. In fact, I didn't know the Easter story until I started coming here. Was it because I didn't hear the story of Christ dying for my sins? No, I thought it was about bunnies and ducks showing up in our yard. And then my family saying, God, when can these go away? Because they're terrible. Bad idea. Was it that I never heard the gospel? No, the gospel was preached. I just never heard it. I was deaf and blind. Not literally, but spiritually. So we can relate to Daniel. Look, there's, God has never stopped. He's never changed. I love that he prayed, oh God, forgive. Because Jesus hadn't died for our sins yet. But do you think God changed? He's always been the same. Christ's sacrifice cleansed everyone from beginning to end. His heart has always been the same. Oh Lord, forgive. What a powerful prayer. Does he hear our prayers? Absolutely. In fact, we don't realize how much God is doing when we pray. So I just want to encourage you to keep praying. In fact, it was in this prayer, it was in this prayer that God gives Daniel understanding of his will. And it's called the 70 weeks prophecy. Have you, anybody heard this prophecy? Okay, if not, it's okay. I remember reading this for the, my very first time reading the Bible. I was, uh, I was, Going through the Bible, I did the whole Bible in a year thing, but I remember just reading it to read, but I read this prophecy, didn't understand a lick of it. 
I'm going to read it to you. You probably won't understand a lick of it. It's okay. Listen, Daniel prayed and had to have Gabriel interpret it for him and give him understanding. So this is not an easy prophecy. I'm just telling you right now. But I'll, I'll help you make it very simple and it's very powerful. And I'll, I'll, This is the anchor. This prophecy is the one for me that said, Jesus, you're the one. There's no other God. It's you. I've never seen this before. I've, God, you've done so much to make this happen. And it's all because of you. And I remember this anchoring me. So let's read it together and then we'll unpack it a little bit and then we're gonna end with some amazing praise to a great God. Daniel chapter nine, verse 24 through 27 says this. A period of 70 sets of seven. You're lost already, aren't you? See, I told you. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time of the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, the Messiah, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite of the perilous times. After the period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple, and the end will come with a flood and war and its miseries and a decree from the time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after the half of his time. He'll put an end to the sacrifice and offerings. And as a climax to all the terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for the defiler is finally poured out on him. Now I read that and you're probably going, I don't know what a thing. That was like Charlie Brown's teacher going, wah, 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 wah. I get it. I get it. Now, let me make it very simple for you. Let me make it come alive for you. Because when it came alive to me, I was like, Wow. And Daniel, a couple chapters back, if you're with us for the series, again, if you're new with us, you can always listen in, but I'll just catch you up real quickly. He, he said, when there's a group of sevens, it's in years. So when Daniel says there's going to be 70 sevens, what's he talking about? 400 and, I know it's early, you guys are doing great with math. Seven times seven is 49, drop the zero, you're good, 490. 490 years. But in the prophecy... He breaks it up. So it won't be 490 literal years. Part of it will be literal and part of it will be held. It says there will be one seven, one set of sevens, seven years, that's going to be held for a later time. I'm going to talk about that first. And then from the decree of rebuilding Jerusalem until the death of the Messiah will be the other 69. Okay, so 69 times seven is 483. Boy, who who was that? Glenn, man, you are sharp, buddy. 483. Hold that, hold that thought. 483 years, all right? Just hold that one. I want to talk about the last seven, the last seven years. This is the end times. Okay, this is, this is what's prophesied by Jesus, by Jeremiah, by Isaiah, by Daniel. Okay, many prophecies. Revelation. I could give you so, so many prophecies that you could look at. In fact, I encourage you, if you haven't picked up this book, if you want to keep eating or keep feeding, I, I can't spend... Uh, we'd be here for a long time if I shared everything that I want to share today. But grab this book if you want to keep feeding yourself. A good friend of mine says, you've got to leave them hungry. So I'm going to leave you hungry. Go get the book. Keep feeding yourself. If you want to know more, there's a couple copies. Or else I know a friend or a guy that you can get this from. His name's Amazon. One click, you're done. All right? So you can get that. All right? But it's a really good book. So I want to talk about the last seven. This is, this is 
tribulation. This is seven years, all right? So it says right here in this prophecy that uh, this ruler, the Antichrist, will rise. And for seven years, he'll be given influence and power over the people. That he'll make a peace treaty for a part of the time of the seven years. For one and a half years, or for three and a half years, there'll be peace. And then he's going to break the treaties, what the, what the prophecy says. And then for three and a half years, there's going to be tremendous tribulation, desecration of the temple, an abomination to the Lord, sacrilegious in every way. He is just going to desecrate everything, God's house, God's people. Okay, that's the last seven. Now remember, this prophecy that Daniel's giving is written to who? Who's it written to? The Jews. Last week I told you the first seven chapters of Daniel was written in Aramaic. It was written to everybody. The last chapters of Daniel are written in Hebrew, written specifically to the Jews. This is a prophecy to the Jews saying, hey, Jews, this is when the Messiah is going to come. Then there's a time between when the Messiah is crucified, when he dies, and the last seven, which is the age we live in. Isn't it amazing? We live in this prophecy. That's the age of the church. That's the age of the Gentiles, the fullness of Gentiles. This is when the, the world's coming to Christ. We live in that world, but there's going to come a time when the last seven happens, where the Antichrist rises and takes power and rules, makes a covenant with, with Israel, breaks it, desolates the temple, and then the second coming will happen, and Jesus will come again and throw him into a pit, the enemy, Satan, the Antichrist, all the clones, they'll be thrown into a pet, into a holding time until judgment. And listen to this. This is what he's telling the Jews. There's going to be a time when Jesus Christ, the Messiah himself, will rule as our king for a thousand years. You can find that in Revelation. For a thousand years, Jesus will be the king and the ruler. And there will be no enemy. There will be no temptation. Now, you can still sin, but there will be no, nobody there prompting you to sin. And for a thousand years... This is the time when the Jews come back to Christ, come back to the Messiah. This is the encouraging prophecy of the Jews. That's the last seven. Now, let me tell you about the 69. And this is what really, I said, that's it, I'm in. I'm all in. Daniel said there's going to be 69 weeks until the coming of the Messiah, until the Messiah dies. Now, what was the key? When, did, when does the time start ticking? So Glenn did a great math equation, said there's 483 years. But when does it start ticking? When a decree comes to rebuild Jerusalem. Who rebuilt Jerusalem? Do you know? Nehemiah. All right, I'm just going to quiz you real quick. How long were they in bondage? 70 years. Remember, they didn't, they didn't honor Sabbath for 70 years. They were in bondage for 70 years. At year 70, when they were being released from bondage, when Nehemiah came to King Artaxerxes and he said, hey, he had a burden. And this was hard for Nehemiah to do. He was the cupbearer of the king. And he had to come to the king and say, hey, king, I have this burden to rebuild Jerusalem, to bring my people back to rebuild Jerusalem. And the king said, I'll release you. Not only will I release you, but I'm going to send you with my blessing with a letter that says, hey, on your way through, on your way to Jerusalem, give this to that king and that king, and they'll give you the wood, they'll give you the products, they'll give you the things you need to rebuild this thing. That's a whole crazy story in itself. That decree started at 445 before Christ. At 445, King Artaxerxes said, go, Nehemiah, rebuild the temple. So guess what? The 
time starts ticking. What did we say? How many years? 483. Now, Glenn's already got it figured out. He's way above all of you. Remember, B.C. and A.D., before Christ, we're counting backwards. 445, 444, 443, 442. You do the math. You actually end up at 37 A.D., right? 37 after the Messiah. Now, if you're anything like me, I'm like, well, that's close enough for me. It's within the seven years, within one of the sets of seven. That's pretty good. It's pretty close. But then the Holy Spirit showed me, no, you're using your calendar, not a Jewish calendar. Jewish calendar uses 360 days per year, not 365. Even today, if you look at our calendar, there's Jewish feast on there, isn't there? Any, any of you guys have that on your calendar, all the Jewish feasts? Have you ever noticed they're the same day? They're at the same time? Not on your calendar, but on their calendar. Because they don't observe. They observe the feast based on the sun and the moon and the rotation. It's always the same time. For us, the date changes all the time when the feast is. But for them, it's the same time. They use their prophetic calendar. Revelation, same thing. It uses the Jewish calendar. Daniel uses the Jewish calendar. It's a 360-day calendar. See, they use, when they would count days of the year, some, some of the years would be 365 and a quarter or three-quarter days, and some of them would be 354 because it depended on the rotation and when the, eclipse, or when, the, uh, when the sun and moon would rotate. And they knew all that. It's crazy because God told them all that in the beginning. So they averaged it to 360 days because some had more than 365, some had less, 360. So if you actually do the equation, you see today we've equaled it all out. It's 365 and then we throw a leap year in there every so often. But it's because the rotation doesn't happen exact. There's a quarter or a three quarters or a half and it throws it off. So you have to throw a leap year in to make it all fit. But the Jews, they go by what God created. 24 hour day, rotation of the earth and the moon and the sun. They watch all that literally. And so if you go through and do the math, long story short, with a 360 day calendar, guess when the Messiah would die? 33 AD. 33 AD. Right to the year. Right to the year. Right to the year. Jesus Christ died on the cross in 33 AD. My goodness. Now, can I tell you something? Because I believe we should pray for the Jews, and we should. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. We should pray for the Jews. This is in their books, guys. Daniel is in their books. They have exactly what we have. Daniel's prophecy prophesies when the Messiah, the anointed one, would come. And he says, look, he's going to live and die in 33 AD. Guess who died in 33 AD? Jesus Christ. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit and God would begin to enlighten their eyes and our eyes. Jesus Christ is the one. He is the Lord. He is the Messiah prophesied from beyond time. He's it. How did it all start? How did it all start? With a prayer. With a prayer. Listen, guys, it's so important that we pray to God, that we talk to God. Don't make it complex. Don't make a bunch of hoops to jump through. Pray. Be honest. Repent if you need to. Say, I'm sorry. But look, God was looking for an honest heart with a guy named Daniel. And when he 
bowed and said, Lord, I am sorry. God, forgive me. God, show yourself to me. He gave him a messianic prophecy and showed when his Lord would come, the Messiah himself. Don't tell me your prayers aren't powerful because they can do a lot. James says, the prayer of the righteous avails much. You keep praying and watch and see that God won't move heaven and earth to answer your prayer. We serve a great God. We serve a great God. Jesus Christ is our Lord. He deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. He deserves our prayer. He deserves our our joy and our praise and our worship. Stand to your feet. Let's worship Him.